Welcome to Grace Hour. You are listening to a word from the ministry of Pastor Elvis Ajima. Today's message. Understanding the operation of the kingdom of darkness. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, I the son of man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Somebody said the gates of hell. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Bible says that Jesus told them, who do they say that I, the son of man, he presented himself as the son of man. I am born of a woman. Who do they say I am? If you look at my physical being, I have a family, I have a mother, I have a father, I have brothers. So physically with your eyes, who do you say that I am? And they say you are Elias, you are Jeremiah, you are one of the prophets. And he says that now, who do you also, the disciples, say that I am? Now see with a revelation lens and tell me who I am. Then Paul, uh, Peter looks beyond flesh and blood, looks beyond the background. And he tells Jesus, you are the son of God, you are the Christ. Then Jesus says that flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, it's my father. Who revealed it. Then he comes back to say that you are Simon Bajona and upon this revelation I will build my church. The church there means ecclesia. The Greek meaning of the church there means ecclesia which means the called out. So upon this revelation I will build the called out. This church he's talking about is not a physical building. Ecclesia means people who are called by God. And he says that upon this rock, upon this revelation, this revelation of Christ, upon this, I will build the people. And after I build them, the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. Listen to me. Why didn't he say, after I build them, they will prosper? After I build them, they will break through. After I build them, they will be glorious. After I build them, the next thing is that the gate of hell will not prevail. Will not prevail means that it will not be victorious, but it doesn't mean it will not fight them. It means that the moment I start building my church, the next event is that the gate of hell will begin to attack. Am I speaking to a church at all? I'm going to build my church. 
and the gate of hell will not prevail. It means that it will come. Only that it will not prevail. And what is the condition that the gate of hell will not prevail? It's when I build it upon this rock. It means that the condition for the victory of the church is dependent on what it is built with. If the foundation and the raw material is built with Christ, then when the gate of hell comes, it will not prevail. It means that the gate of hell will prevail against any church that is not built on Christ. It's automatic. Am I with the church here at all? So, how is he going to build the church that is so strong that hell cannot overcome? He says that that church will be founded on the gospel, which is Christ. The gospel is all about Christ. But can you imagine that he calls out a people and he gives them the word Christ. And the people think that that is the end of their life. I will build them, but it won't end there. They'll be tried by some gates. So you realize that the gospel did not end with the revelation of the cross. No. There is the aspect of the gospel and there is the aspect of the kingdom life. You are built by the gospel and released into a kingdom to be fought. So literally, the church is built to be fought. Am I with the church here at all? It's like Money Pakayo's coach trains Money Pakayo for six months, seven months, and one night releases him into a ring to fight with Mayweather. That's what happens to the church. So you did not receive the gospel to enjoy the gospel. You receive the gospel to be equipped for battle. That is, so the gospel is not your end. It is a means to your end. It is a means to a certain victorious kingdom life. That's what you are getting to. So the gospel will tell you that you were healed. But the reality of the kingdom is that malaria will come. So you cannot end it with where the gospel is. You use the revelation of the gospel to overcome the realities of the kingdom. The gospel will tell you that he made himself poor that you will be rich. The gospel will tell you that he was the, the lamp was slain to receive riches. And the riches is meant for you. So if the message of the gospel means that you have already been made rich. For he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. The gospel tells you you have been made rich. But when you catch that revelation, it releases you to a kingdom where you use the revelation to fight your way into riches. And to work your way into it. So he said that right from John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent take it by force. So there is a victory on the cross. But that does not mean that Satan is defeated in your life until you catch that revelation and defeat him yourself. Am I here with somebody at all? To the believer who doesn't know that he must fight, Satan is victorious. <laughs> It doesn't matter what happened to him on the cross. The cross is the gospel. It's about Christ. And you use the revelation of Christ to fight your, for your own life in the kingdom. The kingdom life has more to do with you. That's the kingdom life. There is an assignment of God. If, if the gospel ends with the day you receive it, you should have died that same day. But the day you received the gospel, you were equipped for something strange. A kingdom life that is full of battle. And he said that the church must be built with Christ so that in order to overcome the gate of hell. So it's not enough to be praying. You must be built with Christ. I'm going to show you what it means for a person to be built with Christ. When he said, I'll build my church upon this rock. I'm going to show you right now. 
for a person to be built on Christ. So it's not enough to be speaking in tongues. It's not enough to be coming to church. It's not enough to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a member of this church. I have this. I've read that book. I've read that Bible. I've read that. It's not enough until you come to a place of building up for the war. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Are you with me here? Oh, are you with me at all? Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. I'm born again. What is armor again? What do I need an armor for? I'm born again. I speak in tongues. I'm a child of God. So, why do I need an armor? I'm a child of God. Satan is dead. So, why are you telling me to put on an armor against the wiles of Satan? Give me the verse, verse 9 to 10. Good. Before we come here. Go to the verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be. When the Bible begins with something, a, a, a scripture, and it starts with be, it means it's a command to do something. So when he tells you be strong, it means that the Lord has a strength, but you are commanded to draw your strength from the Lord's strength. Be strong in the Lord. It means the Lord Jesus has won the victory on the cross 2,000 years ago, but you draw your strength from it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in his might. What do I need that for? Jesus has won the victory. It's all about Jesus. Everything is Jesus. So, why should I still draw power from his power? Why should I still draw strength from his strength? It means that what Jesus did, you use it to do your own battles. So, you don't let what Jesus did remain there. You pick something out of it for your own. If Jesus has all the power, why do I also need power? That's the question. If Jesus has all the power, why should I also draw power from Jesus' power? What do I need that power for? Then the next verse. He said, put on the whole armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And now put on the whole armor. It means that the power we must be drawing from Jesus will become an armor for us. So when he tells you, be strong and in the power of his might, he's telling you that draw something that will become an armor for you. So that you'll be able to withstand against the wiles, the attacks, the arrows, and the battle of the next kingdom. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The, the next word for wrestle means we do not struggle. It means that the day you become born again, the next thing is struggle. We do not struggle. Why do you have to draw power from the power of Jesus? Why do you have to be in your armory? As a child of God, he's saying that because we are not fighting against flesh and blood, this settles every case that your real enemy is never flesh and blood. No matter how the person has positioned himself in your life, there is something behind what you are seeing. We he was automatically the reason why you should put on an armor. If we were dealing with flesh and blood, you don't need these things I'm about to tell you. But so long as what you are dealing with is the gates of hell, then you need an armor drawn from Christ. 
you must be a church that is built on Christ. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor, not some, not few, the whole armor of God, that you will be able to withstand in the evil day. It means that this battle, God is not responsible for any wound you sustain. God is not responsible. He said, put the whole armor because you are in war. And he says, so that you will be able, not God will be able to put, you will be able. It means when you put on the whole armor of God, you face the devil yourself. Wherefore, take all that ye may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, it means that the end of your battle is more important than the whole process. So having done all, you should be able to stand. The, the day of your death, you should be able to stand in the faith. After all the beatings, after all the struggles, after all the attacks, you should be able to stand. So Paul said that I have fought the fight of faith. I finished my race. I would have waste me. So Paul is very sensitive and careful to let us know that many people started the battle well, but didn't end well. Some people started well, went down, and came up again. And he's saying that after all, because it's going to be a process, it, it will not end. It's not a short time affair. For the rest of your life, after being born again, it will be one struggle after the other. Am I free to give you the bone and the meat of the word? Many of you think it's milk. After all, it means that after all the battles and struggles, at the end, you should be able to stand and you need this armor. Verse 14, then he starts with the armor. Stand therefore, having your loins. Give me amplified version. Amplified version. Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins. So the first armor, he says, is the belt of truth. And when you go into the, Paul has had a, a, a pre-knowledge of what the military system was in the Romans. And when a Roman soldier is going to war, the first thing he took care of was his belt. Because the belt, they had something called the undergarment. And they put it on. It was very long. But they pull it up like this and put on the belt. And then they put on a metallic breastplate. And that breastplate is too huge and strong that it covers the whole body from the back to the belly everywhere. And after they put it on, they put on their skirt and so many stuff and then they put on a metallic belt. And that belt holds all the other weapons on him. And they put the sword on the belt. So the first thing they look out for is the belt because without the belt, every armor goes down. Every armor is not intact. And Paul says that truth is like the belt of a Roman soldier. Anytime you hold on to the truth, it's likely every other weapon in the kingdom will be sustained in your life. And do you know who the truth is? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the first strength to draw out of Christ is to know the truth about Christ. It is your first weapon. When you walk in truth, every other thing is likely to work. 
the problem of the church is lies, deception, falsehood. So Jesus says that you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Why is it going to make you free? Because the belt of the military man holds every other weapon. So he doesn't need to be holding them. It makes him free to preach. And you cannot allow your life to be a victim of deception and lies. May God open your eyes to the truth of your destiny. And the truth of the gospel. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, four verse, the tr- the, said that truth is in Jesus. Truth is in Jesus. So when we are to draw anything from Jesus, we are looking at the truth about his life. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Do you want to make this war and be victorious over the gate of hell? Go for truth. Don't fall for lies. Get back to the word. Read the scriptures for yourself. Look out for Christ. Christ is the truth. Not any sermon that will let you jubilate. Look out for sermons about Christ. That is the truth. That is what can build you to withstand the gates of hell. Your focus must be on Christ. He said that the truth is like a belt around your waist. Then he goes to the second armor. Having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the, on the breastplate of integrity and of moral rectitude and of right standing with God and the King James call it the breastplate of righteousness having that breastplate it means that when a child of God comes to the place of the righteousness that is of God it becomes a breastplate around him in the spiritual battlefield it becomes a breastplate so the moment you hold on to the truth you have your belt and the moment you begin to run with the reality of the righteousness that is of God he says that when you lay hold on that righteousness it becomes a breastplate around you you don't just go for anything one of the demons when I get there I will start when I start explaining getting deeper I'll tell you something one of the demons that hell has got is called self-righteousness self-righteousness and you will come to that there is only one acceptable righteousness that overcomes the devil it is the righteousness that is of God first Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 he says that he did this himself having put us in Christ who has become for us wisdom and righteousness so when we're talking about the righteousness that defeats the gate of hell it is the righteousness you have received through Christ Jesus you didn't work for it you received it it is that which is of Christ second Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 21 the Bible said that he that knew no sin was made sin that we shall become the righteousness of God you didn't work for the righteousness that God has planned for you it's that which is of Christ not until you have come to the revelation of that level of righteousness the enemy will overcome you at any battle he's saying that that revelation becomes a breastplate around you. Then what next? And having showed your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Hear me well. The Bible is very clear on 
which part of the gospel that gives you shoe? He says that this part of the gospel gives you a certain shoe that prepares you for the war. And that shoe gives you a firm ground. The Roman soldiers had a particular shoe that has some spikes under it like nails. So when they are running, they cannot easily slip. They run, as they run, their, their shoes are piercing on the ground and giving them a grip on the ground so they don't slip. And he says that the gospel of peace, if a man is able to draw the peace we have received in Christ from the gospel, he says it's like a soldier whose feet is grounded on the feet and is prepared for war. You understand? It means that a child of God who have not yet come to a depth of the peace that we have received through Christ, you are likely to slip and fall on the battleground. What peace is that? The Bible says that he has made, give me Colossians, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. Let's quickly read it. It's a powerful scripture. For he is himself our peace. Somebody say our peace. So I cannot be confused. If I know Jesus is my peace, he said that that stability of mind gives me a firm ground for the battle. <laughs> Most of us, we, we, we are defeated already because as we are even going to the battle, our minds are unstable. I think God doesn't like me. I think I have sinned. I think last year's uh, sin I committed, God has not still forgiven me. I think there is a grudge between me and God. That demon, I cannot handle him because the God to help me, I think there's a friction. He says that when you come to the revelation of the peace of the gospel, it gives you a firm ground. And he said, Jesus himself is that peace. Can you give me King James? Let's quickly read it. King James, quickly. For he's our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Verse 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, he has abolished, he has crushed it. There is no enmity between we and God again. God doesn't hate us. God is not angry with us. God is not rough with us. He said, when you lay hold of this revelation, you get a grip in the battle. Even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twine one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. He slain, he killed enmity. Glory be to Jesus. He killed enmity. He, dis- he slain. So what they did for God to open the earth to enter, now we will do. I'm not saying go and do it. But now you will do and the earth will not open. Why? Because God doesn't find any reason to destroy you. God is searching in his heart for a reason to destroy you and he can't find because enmity has been slain. So every single second of the day to God he's at peace with you. He's at peace with you. Please get it. That's what the word of God says. He's at peace with you. So when the child of God realizes that though I have weakness, I have imperfections, but one thing is for sure, God is at peace with me. He says that my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. So if there is something that you don't have with God, it can never be peace. Can you imagine that you offended your father? Then one of your brothers meets you on the way and tells you that today, that will kill you. 
which you have done. Then you tell your brother, he just called me that it's nothing. He's fine. I shouldn't work. So I'm going home with boldness because there's no enmity. Cannot find reason again to be angry with you because enmity between you and him has been slain. So, no, it doesn't mean that when you do wrong, he doesn't see. He sees, but he corrects you in love. He works on you in love. He changes and transforms you in love. Those days, he will punish you in correction. This time, he will correct you in love. He killed the firstborns of the Egyptians to deliver the Israelites. As he killed his firstborn to deliver us. He saves us with love. He works on us. He says that any time you come to this place of peace with God, it's like a soldier's short shoe. Now your soldier's shoe is on. Which one is next? Which weapon is next? Let's go there. Persisting. Lift up over all the covering. Shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. Lift up. <laughs> Lift up over all the covering shield. It means that over all the armor, be focused on this one. Lift up the covering shield of your saving faith. Of yourself. Lift it up. Not your faith to get a car. Not your faith even to be healed. Not your faith to be anything. Anytime you are bold to confess that I'm saved by faith through Christ Jesus, your shield in the spirit grows. I'm... I have not touched the oppressions of Satan. I'm touching how you can be prepared to meet them. Uh, that's what I'm touching. So your faith is not in you. Your faith is not in the, the number of degrees you have. Your faith is not in your bank accounts. But any child of God whose faith is in Christ, you are a, a, cov- it's, it's a covering shield around you in the spirit. So anytime you are talking, it shall be well with me, not by myself, but I know by through Christ Jesus, by the cross, by the blood, by the blood I'm saved. When somebody questions you that this thing that you are doing, are you sure you can go to heaven? You tell him that I'm not going to heaven by this thing I'm doing or not doing. I'm going to heaven by my faith in Jesus. He says that lift up all the covering shield of saving faith. Your faith in Jesus. Are you learning something? Now, I'll build my church upon this rock. And now the first thing to be built on is the belt of truth. Jesus being the truth. The second thing is the shoe that you get from the gospel of peace. Is it also from Jesus? And now, this is what we are talking about. Faith. That is in Jesus. The Bible says that they that are born of God overcome the world. And this is their victory. Even their faith, they overcome the world. And this is their trophy, their championship. This is their belt. So your victory is not the car. Your victory is the faith that brought the car. It's the faith that brought the car. So this is their victory. Even their faith. So you see, where is getting to? So anytime you are strong in faith, spiritually you have a covering shield. 
Many years ago, I read a book, The Final Quest, by Rick Johan. And he said something interesting. He said that there are a group of Christians in the spirit realm. There are those who are prisoners. They don't have any armor. And there are those who are wounded, but they are not in the prison. But fiery darts are coming. And it's piercing them all over. Those people have some of the armor, but they don't have. And he said one thing. He said that most of them who are wounded don't have shells. Then this week, when I reflected on that statement in that book, and the Holy Spirit told me, it's not that they don't have faith. They only have misplaced faith. Misdirected faith. Hear me? The armor of the supernatural is not an armor until it is drawn from Christ. So your faith must be in Christ. The faith that protects and covers is the one that is embedded in Christ. Come with time here. Go ahead. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet. It means that salvation is like a helmet in the battlefield. Are you not saved? But anytime you don't have the consciousness of your salvation, your helmet is removed. Anytime you don't have the assurance of salvation, your helmet is removed. So you can be wounded in the head. Why? Because the assurance of salvation guides your mind. So when the enemy throws suggestions and begins to speak to you in the mind, the enemy targets the mind. That is, that is his battlefield. He wants to tell you things. He wants to depress you. He wants to make you feel some way. And when you have the assurance of salvation, it reflects back the satanic attacks because it becomes like a helmet on you. You are about to die. You tell him, I'm saved. I can't die like a chicken. I'm saved. <laughs> I'm saved, sir. <laughs> I can't die like a chicken. You are going to hell. Which hell? Is it the one Jesus created? Then it is heaven. Sorry. <laughs> then what you are calling hell is heaven. Because where Jesus is, that is where I am. I'm saved in him. <laughs> in him I live. In him I move. In him I have my being. I'm inside him. The Bible says that you are hid with Christ in God. I'm in. So if where I am is hell, then sorry, you don't know hell. It's rather heaven. The assurance of your salvation protects your mind. And the sword that the spirit wears, which is the word of God. Listen, knowing the word is not an option, it's a sword. How long can you defend? They asked Pep Guardiola, what is the best way to defend? He said, the best way to defend is to attack. <laughs> so, the best way to defend is to attack. So do you want to defend yourself? Attack. And among all the armor, the only offensive armor is the sword. That's the only offensive armor. It's the only one that can harm Satan. The rest protects you from Satan. The only one that harms him is the sword. And he said, that sword is the word of God. You cannot, you cannot afford to have your mouth shut. You cannot afford to have your mouth shut. No, sir. 
You must carry the word in your spirit. Every situation is vulnerable to a particular scripture. <laughs> I repeat. Every situation you are going through is vulnerable to a particular revelation in the word. Your greatest breakthrough is to find that revelation. It is not vulnerable to your hometown's name. It is not vulnerable to your own name. It's not vulnerable to where your background is coming from. It's vulnerable to a certain revelation in the word. He said that word is a sword. It cuts. So that demon enjoying a luxurious hotel life in your, in your destiny is vulnerable to a particular sword. And you, it is your responsibility as a child of God to always locate swords to offend the enemy. That's why we don't come to church to play. You come to catch a revelation to address a situation. You are in a battleground. Oh, Jesus. Am, am I talking to somebody at all? You are in a battleground. Revelation of the word is a sword. Revelation about your life cannot overcome the gate of hell. It's the revelation about Christ. I want to say something. Yesterday I was there when a young man started testing me. Senior pastor, he's not in this church. Give me a word. I sent a scripture. He said, no, no, no. I want a personal word. And I felt bad. You were a leader of a church. And I sent you a scripture and you tell me you want a personal word. Is this what you are teaching the people? What is more personal than the revelation of Christ giving to you? What is more personal than that? I want a one-on-one word. Any word about you cannot fight the demon in your life. It is the word about Christ that is a sword of your spirit. Have I, have I spoken to somebody today? So he tells us, let, let's, let's read the last one. Pray at all times. Asan. <laughs> in other words, when you begin with the first armor, pray through the first armor, the second armor, the third armor, the fourth armor, the fifth armor, the sixth armor. Pray through. Every armor needs this armor. <laughs> the new king james says pray through every armor needs this armor pray through so now imagine that i'm a child of god and now i'm full set if you talk about the belt i've got a belt if you talk about the helmet i've got a helmet if you talk about the breastplate i've got a breastplate i've got the sword whatness whatness he says that so that you'll be able to withstand against the walls. Have you seen what next is in Matthew 16? I will build my church. So this whole thing we've talked about is inside I will build my church. We have been so shallow to a point that when a man of God's church is going down, he says, Jesus, you said you will build your church. It's not, it's not the number of members. It is the quality of the members he's talking about. It's the quality of the members. I will build my church doesn't mean that I will, I will build a big facility. It means that I will make sure that at the end, they are fully armored for certain battle. And he said that I will build my church and the gates of hell. That is the next. So after I have put on righteousness, truth and everything, the next thing is there to face the gate. What is the gate? What gate is Jesus talking about? Where is that gate? When we said it's the gate of hell, and somebody's looking down to hell, thinking that hell is under. Where is that gate? Let me show you something. Psalm 24, verse 1. By this time, I, I'm sure you already know that Psalm 22 talks about Christ. Psalm 23 talks about Christ. 
and definitely Psalm 24 will talk about Christ. 24, Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the loss and the fullness of it. The world and they who dwell in it. Verse 2. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the currents and the rivers. Who shall go up into the mountain of the Lord? Say, who shall ascend? Shall the better say, who shall ascend? Give me the King James. Who shall ascend into the mountain of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. You, you remember what Jesus told Mary when Mary wanted to have Jesus? He said, I have not yet ascended to my father. The Bible said, he that descended is the same that ascended. So when he was talking about who will ascend, he was talking about Jesus. He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully because he is the truth, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Did he say blessings? He shall receive the blessing, a definite blessing, the blessing. He shall receive the blessing and receive righteousness from the God of his salvation. He shall receive righteousness. He will not work for righteousness. He will receive it. Jesus died as a sinner, rose in purity and righteousness. He will receive righteousness from the Lord. This is, now he's talking about one person but jumps to a generation. This is the generation of them that seek him. So now he's not only talking about Jesus, he has connected a certain generation to Jesus. This is the generation that do not seek for money, that do not seek for breakthrough. They seek him. That seek thy face. Oh, Jacob Silla. Seven. Lift up your heads. Oh, ye gates. And be ye lift up. Ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And who is this king about to enter the gates? That the gates must lift their heads is the king who is strong and mighty in battle. It means that he has resurrected in righteousness, but there is one thing you cannot take away from him war, he can fight. Therefore, let the gate open up before he comes. I will build my church like me. And the gate of hell cannot prevail like it couldn't prevail. <laughs> lift up your hands, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Who shall ascend unto the holy hills? Lift up your heads and be open, O ye gates. It means that for him to ascend, some gates must open. And he warns the demonic world before Jesus comes. And he tells them that he is strong. And the reason why, how can gates lift head? It means that it is not brass gate. The gate he's talking about is not metallic gate. It's not aluminum gate. It is a personality. And it is a personality that thank you Holy Spirit. He said that who shall ascend? Then he gets here and says that lift up your head holy gate and be lifted for the Lord, the king will enter. And who is he? 
the Lord strong and mighty in battle. In other words, when he's coming, open up because he will fight you if you don't open up. So he will be ascending to the Most High. But when he's coming, be ready for battle. Someone who fights, someone who is strong. Also, you also be strong in the law because you have to face a certain gate. Three people got it. If I have five people who got it, lift up your hands for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are going somewhere. Please spare me 10 minutes. Let me cast to a level. So, when Jesus resurrected, the battle he was supposed to go through, even to get to heaven, was revealed in Psalm 24. And when he was talking to the church, he says that after I build you up, this same gate will come after you. So now let's watch. What are these gates? Where are they specifically? And next week we will talk about what they do. So do you see that? The gate is talking about it's not down, it's up. Who shall ascend? And now he said, let the gates lift up your head. So he's not talking about descending, he's talking about oh, uh, flow with me, he's not talking about descending at us. So this gate is in the heavenlies. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all. It means we don't have one heaven. It means we don't have one heaven. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 3. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 3. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knew it. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such, go to the verse 2, sorry. Verse 2. Let's start from there. There's, there's something there. Verse 2. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knew it. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. So if there's a third heaven, there should be a first and there should be a second. <laughs> Praise God. Are you flowing with me? Yeah. If there is a first, if there is a third, we are not sure of a fourth. We are only sure of a third. And if there is a third, it means there is a first, and there is a second, there is a third. Let me give you the third point to know that there is no one heaven. Genesis chapter 1. Verse number 1. 
in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the new king James will tell you the heavens yes go ahead go ahead the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness hear this there was darkness upon the deep now imagine that darkness then God said let there be light and God divided the light from the darkness verse 5 and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day verse 6 and God said let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters remember the waters covered the whole earth so let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters verse 7 and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament and it was so and God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day everywhere is water and the water was high and after God commanded light and separated light from darkness he said that now let there be firmament when you hear firmament it means space so let space let there be firmament between the waters so suddenly the waters were divided and one went up and one came down are you flowing with me <laughs> this whole place from here is water then he said let a space come between the waters so one the one which was under remained and one went very up the height then he said let the one above be called heaven so it means that we don't only have the sea there is one hanging there is one hanging up there because he said less space firmament come so now he had one down one up and he said I let the one up be called the heaven then the one down let's see what he did to the one down verse 9 and God said let the waters under the heaven be guarded so this one is not above this one is under let the waters under the heavens be guarded together onto one place and let the dry land appear and it was so that's why under the underwater we have land and we have the sea verse 10 and God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas and God saw that it was good but hear me the one up there remains 
So now, the one down here, he separates water from the dry land. Let's go. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Go to the next verse. About three verses from here. Yes, go again. This is the fruit coming in. And the morning and the evening was so. And God said, let there be lies in the firmament. Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. One was to divide. A certain light was to divide light from darkness. This light is to divide day from night. Follow me well. And this light was to be under the heaven. So the first, that sea is gone. Under the sea, he put certain lights there to drop down on earth. To give us day and night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for darkness and years. Verse 15. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light unto the earth. And it was so. 16. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day. And the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. I thought he gave light from the beginning. Chapter 3 gave light. Verse 3. But the light God gave was light to him. But when he started creating the plants, he realized that it was still total darkness. The darkness that was upon the earth was a darkness that appeared in Egypt. And that is the darkness that will appear in the seven-year tribulation very soon after the rapture. It is a darkness that can be held. So thick. So after he separated the waters from the waters and one went very up, he provided light, a greater light and a lesser light into Adiasa to God he has cleared all darkness from the world so what we see in the evening to God is light what we see in the evening to God is light because now two lights are functioning in the eyes of God the lesser one in the night and the greater one in the day because if these two lies had not come the darkness on earth could be held so when God separated and gave light to come down here he made his intention that I will let men dwell here but do you know what happened to the waters that separated up now the first heaven is where he placed the two light but after that is where the other water is and that is where the princes that fell with satan have their gates so there is a second heaven that is between 
between the first let me show you something in Job chapter 38 verse 10 Job 38 verse 10 thank you please. 38 verse 10 my time is fast spent please and break out for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said hitherto shalt thou come but no further and here shall thy proud waves be stayed good has thou commanded the morning since the days go ahead I think that it, it should be it should be the verse 9 go to the verse 9 Go to the verse nine. There is something there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and thick darkness, a swaddling band. Oh, thank you. The verse 8. Verse 8. Verse 8. I want us all to see it before I read. Verse 8 of the same chapter. Or who shall shut up the sea with doors? When it breaks forth as if it had issued out of the womb. Verse 9. When I made the cloud the garment thereof and take darkness a swaddling band for it. Which is he talking about? Up there. He said, I've made the cloud a garment so you don't see. But there's a water up there. We will not say, and take clouds and darkness a swaddling band. When we talk about sli- a swaddling band, when a child is giving birth to in the olden days, they bind the child hand and foot like this. With, with, uh, he says that that sea has gates that are shut. And he said that I have covered it with the cloud as a garment and with darkness. It means that that place has a darkness that can be held. It has darkness that it is so thick that it can be held. And it has gates. God said, I have shut that doors and gates. But the interesting thing is that the demonic world, that is where the princess, the highest realm, I, I am coming to say this to you. Satan doesn't live in hell. He lives in hell. And it is not a third heaven. It is this realm God is talking about. Satan doesn't dwell in hell. That's why the Bible calls him the prince of the air. Ephesians 2 calls him the prince of the air. He's somewhere up there. And he's he's somewhere that these eyes cannot see. 
is at the place where the cloud has been made a garment. So the first heaven is like a garment to cover that water. And there is thick darkness. Do you see why the Bible have certain statements in the Bible? Um, rulers of darkness. They are the rulers of darkness. This darkness is not a metaphor to a certain nature or even life or something. No, it is real thick. It's a realm where there is no light. The oppression of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, the rulers of darkness. In Jude chapter 13 or so, the Bible says that they have been changed in darkness forever. They are in that realm. And for everyone to access the third heavens, you must pass through them. For every Christian, even Jesus when he came on earth, that is what Psalm 24 talks about. Said he's a man of war. So let the gates lift up their heads and let him enter. It means that even Jesus, they would attempt to stop him from going back. They will attempt. They are wicked. They are they are. They don't care about anyone. They have lifted themselves above the word of God. They, they are princes. They are rulers of darkness. They feel powerful. And they are not down. They are down. I will show you something. When the, when the Bible... Listen, one of the greatest breakthroughs a person can have is to have an open heaven. When we say somebody has an open heaven, it means that the person has gained access through the gates of the second heaven. We are not talking about the third heaven. The third heaven is open to everybody. But the second heaven is open to warriors. That is why when Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days, the angel came and said, the first day you prayed, your words came. But the prince of Persia, when I was coming, withheld me. And I was with the kings of Persia for 21 days. If, do you know what happened? They stopped him like this. And they wouldn't let him go back to the third heavens. And they wouldn't let him come down. You are here with us. You are a prisoner. You are a prisoner. You are not going up again. You are not going down again. And let me tell you, when we stop praying, that second heaven arrests most of our angels. Heaven don't have them. Earth don't have them. They are there. Yeah, there. The reason why I started with Martin's sister, I wanted to tell you, that the gospel doesn't mean there is no battle. No, sir. It is, it, is, it is so immature to remain at the gospel level. You would die like a chicken. You die like a chicken. Then, he told them that one of the chief princes till the prince of Persia withstood and one of the chief princes, Michael, came and delivered me. 
it means that when a demonic prince who was once higher than an angel in the third heaven before falling miss any angel he will still fire him Senami was strong. Name rank we are higher than you are. Baby, I miss you. That is what is happening in the supernatural world now. So he said that, and, and, he said, and one of the chief princes. It means that when a chief, a demonic entity, when a gate who was once a chief prince catches you at the second heaven unless another chief prince in heaven comes you are not released unless one of the chief princes come you are in trouble Verse 20, quickly. Daniel 10 20. Daniel 10 20. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? You don't know where I'm coming from. <laughs> Knowest thou therefore <laughs> I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. When I was coming, I fought him. Now I've delivered, but my fear is that I'm going to fight back again before I get to the third heaven. With the prince of Persia, I will, I, now I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. It means that those days... <laughs> Kingdoms were ruling the world. It means that whoever's prince was in charge of the second heaven rules the earth. So he said, I'm going, I'll fight the prince of Persia. But shortly, there will be a shift in the books of God. The prince of Persia will come and fight the prince of Grecia in the second heavens. He will overcome him. And now, when anybody is coming, he has to pass through the prince of Greece. So a nation doesn't just rise up to become a world power. Every nation has its prince in the second heavens. If he rules there, that nation will rule on it. What is happening now? So can you imagine that when the Greece empire rules up to fight the uh, Messiah and Pedia empire, media empire when they rose they thought it was a physical battle but the angel told daniel that soon the prince of greece will overcome the prince of persia it means that what you will see physically will first happen somewhere between some princes and every child of god so when he said that the gate of hell will not prevail he was talking about the church that will rise. 
gain access through the second Not everybody here has an open Don't deceive yourself. That is why you can pray concerning things about your life. You will not get it. But if I pray for you, I'll get it. That is if my heaven is good. My heaven is good. I'm talking about a realm. I'm talking about a realm. So when Jesus was saying the gate of hell will not prevail against the people are, that are built on the revelation of Christ, he's talking about a canopy in the second heaven. That the only thing that can penetrate through are people who have drawn their victory from the victory of Christ. Only they. Battle we are fighting begins from this realm. It begins here. When you are looking for your real enemy, don't look down. Look up. They are there. They are princes that rules the world. There is a thick cloud of darkness up there, and there is a heavy realm of waters. Have you seen why when Jesus casted out the legend out of the uh, gathering man, the demons told Jesus, put us into the pit. But the moment they entered the pit, they went straight into water because their realm is the waters. Their realm is the waters. So when the Bible says the prince of the air, the air stands for the heaven, but their habitation is the water that was separated up. That is where they live. And your prayer must pass through this realm. Yes. Not until you have understood. Listen, when the Bible says that bring all your tithe and your offering to the storehouse and there may be food. And he said, I will open your heavens and the devourer I will destroy most of us don't understand it. We still think that it's a physical thing. When he said, I will open your heavens, it means that regarding certain blessings, I will come down and fight through the second heavens and bring them to you. That is what he meant. That is why one of the easiest means to prosper, we say it is about tithe. You don't have to pray to break through. The moment you are faithful with God, there is a warring angels that are released to fight through. Listen, the angel that must bring you your blessing, he cannot fight the princess. So one of the things that your tithes and your offerings and other things do is that it makes God dispatch the chief princess to help your angel to come down. In the next two weeks, we will understand certain things. And most of us, our attitudes will change. Because the interesting thing is that we have gotten ourselves into the realm of the gospel. And we think everything is fine. But after the realm of the gospel, when you are built, there's a gate that will come after you. That same gate that was to come after Jesus as Psalm 24 is coming after you.
That same gate is coming after me. It's coming after me. It's coming after Grace Mountain. What fights us is not on earth, but it has the earth in his hands. That is why Psalm 24 began with this revelation. The earth is the Lord's. So you prince up there, don't try to stop him. Because the earth is not for you, it's for him. So the child of God must also carry that revelation. There are days that when I'm praying, I know scriptures to quote before I pray. Because without that scripture, they have legal rights to control the earth. So I must remind them that the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. So you must open the gate for me to enter. You must open the gate. The dangerous thing is that most of you are waiting for angels who are prisoners. Because you couldn't pray. When you started the fasting and started the prayer, if Daniel has ended on the 17th day, the angel would have been there for life. Yes. The angel would have been there. I don't want to step into another realm. it was one service. personalities as arrows and those personalities some of them you see on their face written pride some of them depression what we call attack are minor things in the kingdom of darkness the major things in the kingdom of darkness that is able they they come in they come in 
and open doors for the little ones. So he releases arrogance to you. And arrogance is a personality that comes and speaks to you and makes you act some way. And by the time he's true with you, certain weapons fall off. Weapons of righteousness in your life and other things fall off. Then the next arrows, sickness. So most of the heaviest arrows of Satan, we don't see. What we see are the ones that comes to affect our body and our finances and our marriage and other things. That's what we see. But it starts from somewhere. The dangerous ones are personalities. Depression, discouragement. The, 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 the feeling of self-righteousness. Those are little things we, we see as little, but they are the greatest demons in the kingdom of darkness. So they come in and set you up for the little ones. By the time you realize you are down. Unfaithfulness, disloyalty, those who are the heavy demons. Anytime we talk about attack, the next thing is, oh, last. Pride is at a higher rank than last. Because pride can come and you will never know. Pride can destroy you and you will never know. The ones you know easily are later. Satan's most strategic weapons, their personalities, their demons, those are the gates that must lift up their heads. Otherwise you are doomed. There are things, envy, jealousy, <laughs> backbiting, malign, anger, wrath, strife. Those are things that you think you can manage with, but those are the heaviest weapons. And they come to set you up for the little ones, and the little ones come and mess you. Most of us here, why we are not breaking through this heavy guarded realm is one thing we have ignored the seven hours of Ephesians chapter 6 and not only that our eyes have not gone beyond the life after the gospel the gospel is the good news about Christ that we receive fight the battles of the kingdom never forget this otherwise when you fail and you go to heaven I am justified I told you the gospel will tell you that by his stripes you are healed but you will still fall sick that is the kingdom reality but when the sickness comes you stand upon the authority of the gospel to attack that sickness with the gospel leads you to a victorious kingdom life. The kingdom life is full of war. It's full of battles. Be ready. Sir, you are welcome to a life that is full of struggles. A life that is not about flesh and blood. A life that is about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, 
every single title or accolade men give you attracts its own rank in the spirit. Don't go for bishop if you are not bishop. They will crush you. They will crush you. If your eyes are not open, you will know certain things. I was there one day when the Lord opened my eyes. And I saw a young man. And there was a sexual sin. And I said, God, this young man is a very vibrant guy. Why am I seeing this? And the Lord told me. He took a rank and a title he was not prepared for. And the princess of that rank Such God told me, such a man will be in this situation until somebody higher can deal with him. So God told me, call him, tell him, and let him come. I called him, and he said, Papa, what you are saying is true. You are saying is true. And myself, I don't know what happened. I said, What happened? Is that you faced what you were not prepared for. This thing we are going, the reason why there's so much chaos and we don't know, so many of us end up becoming discouraged. Am I powerful at all? Am I that? It's because most of us, our eyes have not yet been opened. There are realms. Do you see that? Oh, Jesus. Jude says something that the angel couldn't rebuke Satan over the body of Moses. He said he couldn't rebuke Satan. All that he said was that the Lord rebuked you. Why? Because he is not in the rank of Satan. He's not in his rank. So you cannot attack what is not in your rank. We heard a gospel that says that why do you keep stepping on him and he's still knocking you? Have you asked yourself? So many knockings about Tiaswaswa. Have you checked? There are realms. I'm not saying you don't have to face it. I'm saying that have knowledge pursue knowledge and face it with the right revelation have I spoken to you today God bless you rise up on your feet thank you for listening to Pastor Elvis Ajeman Pastor Elvis is a dynamic teacher of the word of God he's an author a passionate preacher of God's word with a desire of transforming lives in the power of the spirit his ministry is characterized by a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost with accompanying signs 
wonders and uncommon miracles. He's the head pastor of Grace Mountain Ministry, located at Seven Days Junction, off the Achimota of Ankor Barrier, Accra. You can follow the ministry of Pastor Elvis Ajiman on any of his social media handles at Pastor Ajiman Elvis or Grace Mountain Ministries. Or you can call us on 0552-504-085 or 0548-003-360. God richly bless you.